Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Firm. I'm your host, Alex Gore. I'm here with our other host, Lance Psycho. The failure. The failure. You'll see why. You'll see why. And a special shout out to a special listener, Molly Wheelock. You rock, Molly. You rock, Wheelock. Uh, Nice. (laughs) You saw uh, Inside the Firm t-shirt in the airport and started chatting up one of our employees, Jason Buss. Um, So we wanted to give you a shout out. Uh, Actually looked at your website. Studio MW. It's studiomwarc.com. You do some sick, sick work. Yeah. I am just, loving the shed roofs, Molly. You know me, giant fan do of the you shed have it roofs. up right now? Uh, I'm going to pull it up. I, um, I'm going to pull it up. There was one. And I suppose we better screen record. Yeah, screen record. And give, then, me, give me one second and let me hit the screen record button here. I'll do it um, before we, if it, if it loads up. And then go to homes when you're doing it and... Scroll down, you know, there's pictures, the third one on the left called the hideaway. Okay. So I'm on projects or sorry, I'm on studio mwarc.com and go to homes. Okay. Projects, homes. Yep. Yep. Scrolling down. Third one on the left, the hideaway. Not zip trail, not Canyon, the hideaway. Click on that one. Yeah. Clicking on it. Look at that Revit model, how that corners eroded at the base and and the stairs are in this glass. Wow. You like that? Oh, like man. That. Look at that Revit model. It looks like a Revit rocket ship uh, dealio, Bob. I'm just saying. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Speaking of that, if you want to design that transition was great, as great as Molly, uh, I don't know, maybe get some good design skills. But other than that, yep. what will help you implement those great design skills is RevitRocketShip.com, where we take our construction knowledge, our design knowledge, put it in a template, put it in a system. So that you know principles of how to design, uh, well, how to model, and that anyone else in your firm is thinking the same way. It will save you time, money, money, energy, all that stuff. You'll produce greater results faster. RevitRocketShop.com. Also check out Architects Guide 2. That's where you'll get the builder's course. That's where you'll learn how to transition into building some of these. Molly, I don't know if you're doing any of that. But if you are in the, uh, thinking about it, these projects are the right scale. For an architect oh my gosh, to become yeah. a builder, she yeah. also has a really cool one. Ah, there's no, there's no name on it. It's this, it's this one. Maybe you can point to it on your screen recording. Like, I, that's cool. I quit screen recording. Ah, fair enough. It's above Castle Valley Retreat. Yeah. Either way, check. check thanks, Go, thanks, thanks, Molly. Yeah. That was really that was a cool story to hear from Jason. Uh, and on that note, I have reached out to uh, one of my friends who does T-shirts. We're gonna get the T-shirts going again. We need. I think we need a new. I think we need to uh, get another batch of Inside the Firm t-shirts out. Yeah. So, listeners, harass anyone you see that has an Inside the Firm t-shirt. Do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. You know what's coming up, Al? I don't. Uh, Well, I'll tell you what's coming up. Uh, More work for everybody. Hey! We're not slowing down. Uh, So, BIM can be important for your next project, your next work project that you have coming up if you're an architect, but it's not the only thing you need. 
for your next project. That's why it's important that 95% of manufacturers who offer free BIM files on RCAT also offer another type of data your project needs. That means 95% of the products with BIM also have CAD files. So you folks who are still working in CAD, don't worry. RCAD hasn't left you behind. Uh, they also have specification in a patented spec wizard and or have product information to help you make the right selection. So stop going to a site with just BIM and go to RCAT.com to get everything you need for your next project for free and without registering. That's RCAT, A-R-C-A-T.com. Start building better content today. Uh, we are also brought to you by Pella Luxury. You have never experienced a brand like this before. The collection of brands within the luxury division of Pella are the conversation starters. I want everybody to, right now, if you're on your computer listening to this, uh, go to PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm. Check out the pioneers of the industry who provide window and or solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. They have decades of experience creating things no one else in the world is creating, I'm telling you. And the collection of brands are brought together to complement and build on one another. They don't push beyond the limits. They set them. Explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash The Firm. Al Gore, right. back to you. Back to me. So we have two uh, articles to bring up. Maybe you should sc screen record this just so people on YouTube can see. But the first one is from The Life of an Architect. And he's put together and, and given out basically a really good construction template it's called a room matrix and essentially what it is is that he estimates how much a house is going to cost and breaks down and has a, a template in excel uh all the rooms that you i am uh, publishing the video right now that i just recorded so then i can record another one oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay so i'm going to right now uh pull it up it's a really cool article i think everybody should check it out heck even if you're not an architect this is such a beautiful room matrix for everybody to consider so it's uh, if you just if you just Googled residential architecture 101 room matrix, uh, Bob Borson of Life of an Architect, um, who has one of the most famous blogs that there is, would still love it, Bob, if we could get on the show one day. Uh, but he came up with this with this matrix of <clears throat> basically, for example, and I'm showing here on the screen here of like what a room is typically costing at this point. And I wanted to ask you, Al, based on what you're seeing, do you agree with these numbers? I do. I do. The only thing that I would... And for instance, like, let's... I'll just... People who are listening terrestrially. A dining room. Um, he gives an average room size of, like, 12 by 16. I think that's appropriate. The area is 192. And then per square foot to build, uh, $300 a square foot. And no then... One, I don't uh, agree. Okay. He doesn't agree. I don't agree. He has entry at 400, living room at 400. Our entries are normally not the centerpiece of it. Um, I think he's more East well, Coast. Al's, Al's aren't, but mine are. Yeah. You go to you go to f9productions.com. Look at Strawberry Circle. Strawberry. That's that's one your own. <laughs> that's one out of. You go to f9productions.com. Seven hundred and fifty projects you that to, we've done. You go to f9productions.com. You look at Jazz House. Pretty sick entry. Jazz House. Okay, the they two projects <laughs> you've actually done in ten years. Yes. Those are the only two projects you've actually designed in ten years. Maybe he got me. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yes, I agree with you. Living room. So in living room, I also don't think is as immaculate. I actually think that like the kitchen should be slightly higher than what it is. Um, oh, interesting. I would put the kitchen up to exactly. I would put the kitchen up to the 400. You're right about this. And then the bathroom too. Yeah. Maybe it's just a, like you said, maybe it's a regional. Exactly. Yeah. That's the perfect way to put it. The other thing 
that I was thinking about that I'd add onto this if we ever make this. Maybe you make this for your two-second lean because this is another way that I think our guys, that architects can more easily access construction costs. Yes. So what do you think about this? I'm always nervous about, let's say we do a 1,200-square-foot house, right? Yep. The construction costs per square foot are going to be higher. They just are. Versus a literally 7,000 square foot house. You will have typically a lower construction cost in a 7,000 square foot house because a per lot squ- of... Per square foot. Yep. Per square foot. Uh, There's and, a commodity after a while, right? But this is why it's regional too. Our 7,000 square foot houses are more your typical suburban style houses, not mountain crazy you know, like where that price per square foot would go out. So Lance, do you see how in square foot total, then he has like circulation, like at 15% or at 20%. Mm-hmm. I would almost put in another one. It said size adjusted total. So like if it's under, somehow you could do this with the calculations and the math. If it's <coughs> under 2000 square feet, because you can add up the total. Yeah. I would at multiply. Here, at the bottom here, you're talking about the yep, circulation walls. Okay. Multiply the square foot cost by like 1.25. If you're above 4,000, multiply it by 0.75. I see what you, yep, I see what I you mean. Yep. But there's somewhere where there is this sort of integer of one, and then you can sway from there. That makes sense. Yeah. But I, either way, I do think this is a good starting point. Because let's say you could flip-flop stuff. Okay, let's say, you, let's say you did flip-flop the entry for the kitchen. Just pretend like it worked out. Yeah. It's still a good starting point, I think, for... Uh, Folks who maybe are just starting their career, like we have upstairs, you know, early on in the career, they don't have those numbers in the back of their head like you and I do all the time as contractors, acting yeah. as, as being architects too, to at least, and then you can give clients an idea of like, this is going, it, guys, there's just no way around this. It's very expensive to build. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, it's not a critique. I'm sure it's right in his area. <clears throat> sure. It's just you asked me. So like, that's how I would adjust it for our area, for our clientele, things like that. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. There you go. So I thought I'd at least uh, bring that to everybody's attention. I think it's valuable just as a exercise, kind of like what we did. Yep. And seeing where you're at. Um. So we are. Uh, this is the day we're headed up to do our company retreat. First one ever. Very excited. Um. We've got a lot of stuff planned, and one of the things that I don't think we're doing anymore, which is good, is we're not doing the we're not doing uh, wacky office perks. So there's a there's an article mm. I'm still screen recording here and I'll kind of share it with you guys. Found it on uh, fastcompany.com. Um, R.I.P. Ping Pong, the era of wacky office perks is dead. Young workers don't care about workplace perks. This is what they want instead. And I wanted to see if you agreed with this, Mr. Gore. Ooh. Okay, for years, companies have spent money on fun workplace perks in order to attract young talent. Google offers free gourmet meals and mas- and massages. I thought this is messages at first. Nike employees have access to gyms, yoga studios, and lunchtime sports leagues. Facebook has a video game arcade, barber, and dry cleaning on its campus. Do you remember hearing about this like 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, like kind of when we started F9? And this seemed attractive at the time. Now that we've had it's marinated for a decade, like I'm already gonna tell you, like I do think it is. What do they call it? Uh, wacky. I what? think those are wacky. Um, well, we used to have, and we still do somewhere, the ping pong things that we can put on a table. We used to have some. 
we used to have a little some bit wacky of stuff. Some tournaments. We have a oh good that dartboard. We had a dartboard here for like five years. Sam that, I think it. we finally gave it to one of Samer has it. Samer Jammer has it. Um, so yeah, we just so that's what they give that kind of fiddles. Here's what they want, and I think everybody no. listening needs to understand what your employees want. You want. Your biggest asset are your employees if you're a service-based company, hands down. But a new study finds that these snazzy office benefits aren't what young workers really want. Instead, workers younger than 35, everybody upstairs. What are you, 36? Oh, see, this doesn't count for Al. He wants the wacky. (laughs) (laughs) I want peace and quiet. How about that? I love it. Workers younger than 35 place more value on respect. The research suggests that companies should invest more in training managers to communicate respectfully and nurture employee well-being mm. rather than knitting out offices with trendy accessories. And in the post-COVID-19 area, when many employers are offering the flexibility to work from home, solid communication from supervisors will be even more important than having a cool office. We are in a cool office, but it's not gimmicky, I don't think, anymore. Um, that ties in to such a deep rooted generational thing not by generations xy but just when you're in that time frame when you are 18 to maybe 30 you have this rebellion spirit still me and you had it i remember this is one of the stupidest things that i said to myself or to you it was like after that first summer that first summer when we started it was hard because it was during the recession we were getting things. We Al had zero furniture. Z- I literally had zero. He's but, literally zero. I, I, but I truly look fondly back on those years. Oh, me too. I mean, I'm just like, that was, you can't recreate it. I think that's why I cherish that so much. Like, yeah. You cannot recreate that. Yep. We could get divorced and get crazy and like destroy ourselves, but that still is not the same creation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to say like that's how far off it is. Yes, exactly. Um, but anyways, I did a project and and at the, the end of it, you know, like ran it all the way through. I wasn't even <clears> close <throat> to being an architect, but I was like, I'm basically an architect. Yeah. I'm an architect. And now looking back, like, shut up, you idiot. Yeah, like, you like <laughs> okay, you, you kind of know one thing. But going back to that, that respect is that there was, I, I'm sure you felt it in, in, in different ways. You know, you had to puff up your ego in different ways or got defensive about stuff like that. I'm, I'm sure we still have some of that. But even, um, uh, who, who's our, Mark LePage, his story about how he went and started his own firm was basically like he would give ideas and like they, the upper management wouldn't listen, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's this, and I'm just making up the mm-hmm. end range, but I'm just saying 18 B's, that's when you kind of start work, right? 18 to 30 where you're you're not given the respect because maybe some of your ideas aren't the best and maybe you are a little headstrong but there's that culture that culture exists so how do you handle this and this was a great thing to point out like know that that is semi what they're seeking yes and then know that in their head they don't know what they don't know you cannot know what you don't know exactly so I'm not saying to pat egos or anything like that, but like you can't compare them to yourselves. You have to compare them. It's all about, to pers- a, it's all about perspective. Yep. Yep. T- yep. For yep. sure. For sure. For sure. So, uh, to kind of sum this little segment up is basically they, 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 to arrive at these findings, it was a, it was a Kansas city university and university of Minnesota's, uh, leadership Institute that did a, they did a survey. 
Um, so, and what they basically found was it's unclear whether the office perks were ever important to retaining employees since there's very little data about it. But what is clear is that today's young workers care primarily about how they are treated by their managers. Uh, so are they listening? Are your managers listening? Is it just a top down? Do you have any, right? That sort of thing. Um, so I, I thought this was, um, I thought this was good. And the last quote I'll leave everybody with was a quote, uh, autonomous respect is a lot more meaningful to employees and they want to earn that respect through the interpersonal communication with those that manage them. End quote. Awesome. I like that. I like that. I, what, it, what it boils down to me. So if I, now if I go over to the F9 website <clears throat> and I go to our um, F9 foundations, what I think it is, is I think it's uh, extreme ownership. So F6, you're giving people extreme ownership. If people have extreme, if you give your employees extreme ownership of something, you, they, the, they're so much more part of the process and the puzzle and the pieces and it's theirs and there's this attachment and responsibility that comes from there. I think that's what people are looking for. Yeah. So great. Um, great article. And actually I'm really excited for this next segment. Lance is done with the executive decision process. Just He's kidding. finished it. Just kidding. What? What happened? I failed. I totally spaced out. We were doing that, that I had to finish <laughs> it. So we're going to move that to next Friday. <laughs> there we go. And He'll have it. it then. But we did sketch it out after the, after last week's, last week's podcast. We are, you can see the glass table here. Alex sketched it out because he's, he's better at reducing that down than me. And, uh, I'm going to, we, we think it's going to, it, it transformed in a way that I think is going to make a lot more sense. It already made sense as a concept. It's just going to be simpler and more straightforward. Right. Yep, exactly. It's like, First, it w- the, my version was, uh, bada, 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 This one is bada, boom, bada, bing. <laughs> nice. That's a, nice. No. Look at that. No. All right. <clears throat> I broke up with a client, Lance, and I had to ask you for advice. By the way, the, uh, p- the, the pod- this podcast, this week's podcast episode is titled How to Fire a Client, and therefore, here we are. Tell, tell us about yep. it, Al. You did ask for advice. Yep. And I, I like to say break up. And what I want to say, too, is before going into this is... I'm going to uh, change it then. Well, I can't now because the girl's already... Dang it. that. Okay. Sorry. This, just know that it's clickbait. I'm giving you guys clickbait with how yeah. to fire a client. Alex broke up with them, not yep. fired them. And I think the key to understand <clears throat> is that it, it takes two parties to break up. Yeah. It takes two parties to break up. And the main thing that I find and the reason that I did is because my way of understanding and communicating did not work well with the client's way of understanding and communicating. So like, it's just not gonna work. And, and, and maybe in, in the past, uh, Lance has had clients that like, he, he can't understand, communicate with, and through my way. I had one that, and I'm not gonna mention, but like, I was like, I cannot deal with this. Like either you deal with it, like do not involve me yeah. in this whatsoever, right? Yeah. Um, so it's just a communication style. and, and Literally, this is this is the extreme ownership. If if I can't communicate and understand in the same way, then like it doesn't serve that client for me to keep being their architect. Mm-hmm. It doesn't serve them whatsoever, mm-hmm. right? So, what I was thinking is like, okay, what's the level of depth in this email no. breakup that you explain how the miscommunications are happening? And then you said a great thing is like. You don't go into it. You don't go into the weeds. You don't start saying, here's what you did on February 2nd, then the 3rd, then the 4th, and then the 5th, and here's why you suck. That's not the point. 
Yep. And and even even if you were gonna say, here's what you did. How do I interpret? You know, this is how I interpreted it. This is. It's not gonna serve you well because basically you're saying like, okay, how I interpreted what you said, obviously makes no sense to me. And then their defense is because it makes sense to them. Well, how did you not interpret that way? And be like, because like, how deep do we want to go? Because I've been doing it like this way for this many years and this is how it works. So like what you said made no sense to me. Like it, I I don't think it's going to solve anything. Right? So the template that Lance kind of laid out is first off just saying, Hey, attached is the blank file, the sketches, the, whatever you were doing for the client, right? Attached is, is, is that set, blah, blah, blah. Um, then without getting into the weeds, unfortunately at this time, we are not able to serve you in this capacity, doing this, blah, blah, blah. So we are not able to serve you. Exactly. Right. And that, that's the issue. I think that's a, uh, do you agree that that's sort of diffusing language? Like it, it like you are deescalating in that way because you're admitting like, I, 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 I'm sorry, we, I just can't serve you. We're not, I don't think we're the right firm for you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think the secret too is because like, if you analogize this to a breakup with a boyfriend or a girlfriend mm-hmm. is it's always trying to say, Hey, it's not you. It's me. Right. Yeah. So yes, you're kind of doing that. But I think in the majority of the situations you should acknowledge like it, it is me. Like it is me. It's also like it, it's you, but it's also me. Like I, I think a lot of people in client relationships and even in breakups, even though they say that, they they still just think it's the other person. Sure. Right. Yeah. And and just know, I think you the way this is coming across, like it's true. Like you you have to know it's also you. Like I just don't operate in the way that you I think, are. And operating. I think that's fine. I don't think any. I don't see there's a problem with that, right? Yeah. Because then it goes on to say it's nothing personal because it's not. Uh, I believe we are not the right fit to fill your needs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we And then to sum it up, this also is true and, and should probably have to be true. We truly wish you nothing but the uh, success in the future and happy to provide you with any CAD files that you need. Yeah. Boom. I love it. That's it. Um, can you give me any feedback on how it got taken? No response. That's probably good. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. People can stew on stuff. Yep. Um, I think you did the best job you could do. I mean, I don't know how else you could do it. I I, I mean, I know the opposite of that, which is, which is you start getting into the weeds immediately. That's not it. I really like that phrase. Unfortunately, we're not able to serve you. Yeah. 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 I just think that's such good diffusing language. It's such good de-escalation language. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If anyone else has a idea or suggestions of how they do it, uh, you can send it to me at AKG at F9 Productions. If we feel like it's beneficial to the audience, we'll, we'll read it. If you have any stories like that, be happy to hear. You can also send in a voice recording too. You can record to the phone, send it to my email. Um, that'd be cool. To listen oh, to yeah. Also. We'd love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be good stuff for sure. Who are, uh, who are we hearing from next? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, me. Yeah, so did, did everyone watch? Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was jumping ahead in the, yeah. in the schedule here. Keep going. The everyday astronaut walk around uh, the star base with Elon Musk for an hour. No, you didn't watch that. No, no. You tell me. Um, <laughs> you don't watch that. One? <laughs> obsessed with space. No. Yeah. Okay. No. So I'm gonna summarize. Just wanted to give you. A, did you hike to 12,000 feet and go fishing? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Um, 
So I'm going to summarize. Like he was, you know, like he, he actually, everyone says, you know, rocket science is hard. This is what I love that he's acknowledging. He's like, he goes, it's, it's basically trivial at this point. The manufacturing it's process. trivial. Yep. The manufacturing process is what's hard. And I think these lessons apply to just business in general, but also to the government. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes, these are the five rules that, that we follow. He's like, and it's very necessary that you do it in order. And I'll give you, I'll give you his example why, right? But the first one is make the requirements less dumb. Okay. So how, and I know this is because I'm a big nerd in this area. Every time you're doing anything in space, it always starts with a laundry list of requirements. Like it's just engineers, just like sheets of specs from the, go- from the government. No, even, even from your own company. Okay. Yep. Like that's how they start. You know how we design with sketch. I mean, we might have I see a what they're saying. Des- they're saying they specify what they need for the rocket to do its thing. It they're needs like, to this do is this. What it's got to do. It got to Here's turn. Here's the payload. Has to stay in this whatever. It has to have this many backups. It's got to be shaped a little weird if you're Jeff Bezos. A little. The weird. spec is there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It has to have this communication frequency. It has to have this. You know, just 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 think about like your blood coming from your eyes just reading this right (laughs) so he says make the requirements less dumb Mm -hmm. and he goes especially if it came from a smart person interesting he goes then you gotta really really look at it yeah um and then he goes link every specification to a person not a department okay he goes we've had he goes we have he's like the only reason i came up with these rules is because we've done it the opposite and wrong way so many times mm-hmm. it would blow your mind oh my goodness it would blow your mind he says how much we've messed this up so basically this was a generic example is that they were doing something <clears throat> i think this was a rocket example and they kept going back to the department like why are you specifying this right and sometimes it's because a sometimes it was from a person that left eight years ago that's no longer there so they're making something. They're physically making something from a person that made something eight years ago because of whatever and doesn't really apply. Like, that's why it needs... And then anytime it's just a department, like, then everyone needs to be involved. It's like, no, no, Lance, why did you specify this? Oh, Lance, you no longer exist here. Like, you need to make sure you pass that over to someone and sure. they know why. And they know why, yeah. Yep. Second. So, so the first is reduce, make the specifications less dumb. Number two, try to delete a part or process. Delete, delete, delete. Make it not exist. It Don't make it unless you truly, truly need it. Then he said, if you aren't occasionally adding things back in, you're not deleting enough. Isn't, isn't that interesting? Because most people would say like, oh, you deleted something. Then we had to add something back in. This whole idea is dumb. He's like, no, 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 no. You are not deleting stuff enough unless you eventually add some stuff back in mm-hmm. or else you're just being way too cautious, right? Mm-hmm. Then you simplify or optimize whatever piece exists, right? Okay. Whatever process exists, right? Then you reduce the cycle time. So this links back to like what we try to preach, reduce the feedback loop, right? Or two second lean it, uh-huh. make it, make it actually work in a quicker, quicker process, right? And then after you do all that, then, then you can automate it. Because if you automate it before that step, what if you automate it so that oh the God, robot? I, what if all the errors? I mean, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't test the feedback loop, and then or you didn't lean it. So 
it's doing you're, you're, multi doing, doing. you're multiplying a problem. Yep. Yep. So he goes, <clears throat> this is how dumb we like. He goes, I have personally done it in the opposite way. <laughs> He's like, personally. So when they were going through hell making um, the ramp up to Model 3, I believe it was, they were trying to make like 500,000 cars a year. And he was working on the factory floor. And there was this mat in between the battery and the car, right? And it was holding up the line. So like Elon Musk is going in there and like coding computers. And he's trying to fix the automation, like make the robots go faster, right? So he makes them go a little bit faster. Still not good enough, right? Then he tries to like, he combines like four and three. Like he's like, okay, these need to be glued before that they can be bolted in. We were running a whole thing of glue around it all. He's like, why can't we just spot glue it? Oh, okay. okay, we can spot glue it. Okay, that will reduce it, right? Then, then he goes to number two, and he goes, why is this mat here? Mm. And they go, um, oh, it's for acoustics. So he talks to the acoustics department. Like, no, 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 it's not for acoustics. It's, to f it's for fire protection. He goes, talks to the fire protection. He's like, it's not for fire protection. We don't need it for fire protection. Wow. It's acoustics. So the feedback loop. <laughs> right there, you're describing the feedback loop. Yeah, yeah. So then they go, okay, let's take it out, measure the excuses. They're like, yeah, it's not needed. It's fine. Then he, then he deleted that. <laughs> so like, what he's saying is like, you could have deleted it in the first place instead of fixing the automation, mm. reducing the, you know what I mean? Like, yep. holy cow. Just yep. Did all that work and then it just didn't even need to exist at all. Yeah. Yeah. So but the main point I'm getting at is that I don't know how to translate this besides like government, you never delete anything and your specifications are dumb and you don't realize it, but I'm not in control of the government. I'm semi control of this firm is I haven't found any examples of what to do, but like, how do we, how do we reduce? How do we simplify? How does a two second lean becomes this no longer exists? You know what I mean? We don't have to do it. It's hard because we have the specifications from the government. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like working the opposite, but that's just a seed to plant in your head. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, I can't wait to listen to this next seed that is going to be planted. In yeah. The your Elon head. Musk of Florida. It's, that's what I call him. Yeah. Yeah. Six foot six. I don't know. What? Two, two twenty. Yeah. Tan, tan. Yeah. Blonde hair, blue. I just, his hair goes same guy, genius uh, IQ maybe one fifty six. I was gonna say so let's hear from Nick. Nick from Nick reads. Hello, best friends. I hope you all had a great week this week. I'm reading. I am a political animal, because for God's sakes, I think we the people is a job. I think experience self-government demands on all levels, intellectual, moral, historical, and spiritual levels. We are supposed to be engaged and give directions to our elected employees. Mr. Ted Nugent. Toodles. That's hilarious. Mr. Ted Crazy Nugent. He, um, Cat Scratch Weaver. He was great on the Joe Rogan podcast. If you haven't listened to that. Is it a new? Is it a newer one? No, it's an older one. Older one, probably, yeah. yeah. You, did he, you listen to that one? Yeah, no. he was really good. Yeah. yeah. I just like the way his uh, language works. Like, the guy is pretty good at, with linguistics. To be a songwriter, I think. You have to be. 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, unless you're Led Zeppelin and you just rip all your songs off. Yes, I went there. Who? From who? You have never heard of this? Yeah, I have, but it was bullshit. No, it's not. The the one kind of like melody that they ripped off, I was like, from a different song? Multiple. So I look, look at this. How, okay, I just Googled it, everybody, and I hope I'm triggering I'm triggering Al. You are. Led Zeppelin ripoffs. Just Google it. Rollingstone.com. Led Zeppelin's 10 boldest ripoffs. And then they list them off. Get, I, shut the front door. I've okay, to, let, me, let me answer you. Here's yeah. who they ripped off. Here you go. Here you go. They ripped off uh, Joan Bays, uh, Jack Holmes, old, older folks, right? Muddy Waters. Uh, so people who are not nobodies, there you go. That's okay. who. One bullshit. I've listened to those. <laughs> Two, um, the lady uh, that I keep forgetting her name uh, that sings Alejandro and all those songs. You know what I'm uh, talking about. Shakira. No. Um, people are... Lady Gaga. Oh. That lady. Yeah. Ripped off a the bunch Gaga, of people. The Gaga of ladies. And similar, similar lyrics, similar beat. <laughs> the songs are not the same. If if you're saying this Led Zeppelin thing and you are holding on to it, yes, <clears throat> then basically all architects rip off other architects. I, I, that's how I say that in lecture. What are you talking about? Okay, so then it's not a negative thing. People are seeing this Led Zeppelin thing as a negative thing. Oh, I like, don't see it as a negative. I still love that. See, that's the thing. I, I still love Led Zeppelin, but I don't bullshit myself that they aren't rip-off artists. There you go. Want to make a shirt that says Lance Psycho. Architect. Yep. I stole everything. I stole all the designs. I I, I don't think people have the same thought process as you. That's all I'm saying. I don't disagree. They because then they're like, ah, they suck. They can't create anything. No, those songs are better and different than the other songs. So they def here's the yes, you're right. So I mean I'm still agreeing with you. They made those songs the best they could make they they could be. That they literally did that. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's bring down everyone for ARE Jeopardy. And so they can be the best they could be. Okay. I'm going to start it off. Jason, you better win. You're wearing your Inside the Firm uh, t shirt. I He found it. And uh, this was a special shout out to Molly. So she's going to be rooting for you specifically to win. If not, we will call you out and say you did not win. There you go. All right. Question number one. During a site visit, the owner tells the architects to change the layout of two interior framed walls. The framing changes will not have an impact on any code related issues. Um, how do you address this issue? Is it A, schedule a meeting with the uh, OAC team, which is owner, architect, contractor. B, note the change in your field report. C, Tell the contractor to change the location of the walls or D issue a construction constructive construction change directive with a requirement for time and materials invoice to be submitted for the work. Which one? What do you do? A D D you do D issue a construction change directive with a requirement for the time and materials invoice to be submitted. This is what's so tricky about the AREs is like, it is very understandable and very easy. A lot of times to have an OAC meeting about it and just talk to the contractor 
and just see if there's any issues that you t- that the owner and the architect are not thinking about. Mm-hmm. And also because like, okay, you want me to move those two walls, but we already put up drywall. So we're going to have to move them, have a reinspection that's going to delay us. Is it that important? Yes, it is that important. Okay, cool. We'll do it. There but like, anyways, question two, <clears throat> the initial estimated cost for cabinets and countertops, countertops is usually in which form? Is it A, a fixed price, B, a unit price, C, an allowance, or D, a flexible price? Where are you getting these from? My brain. Wow. Not the first one, though. Actually, one day I'm going to reveal my secret source for all these questions. Oh, no. Yep. C, D, C. Uh, C, allowance is correct. All right, number three. Alex wrote both of my questions for me today. An ingress stairs width is required to be four foot two based on the occupancy load. The stair landing depth should be what? A, three feet. B, 36 inches. C, 42 inches. D, four foot two. Boy, you're really A-R-E in this, Al. Yeah. That one is a classic. Any repeats? I feel like this is an easy one. It should be... We have D, D, D. The correct answer is D. Yay. Four foot two. Yay, yay, yay. Uh, does that count for residential? I thought you could do just three feet. Well, if but it's this the is, occupancy load is because everyone needs to turn and go all the way around the yeah. stairs. Yep. Then it gets commercial. Okay. Number four, which spec True. style promotes competition and getting the best value for the client in the bidding process? Is it A, reference, B, restrictive, C, master spec. D, performance. Oh, this is a this is another classic ARE question. Yeah, yeah. I know this one. Okay. I know this Can one. Can you uh, write it down? Or just, you can't lie to us. I won't lie. Uh, which spec style promotes competition and getting the best value for the client in the bidding process? A, reference. B, restrictive. C, master spec. D, performance. What are we Ross, you should have answered all of them because in case they okay. tied and you beat KDSD, them. KDSD, Bailey D, uh, Jason D. Lance, what do you have? C. Nope. D. Dang it! <laughs> Take away the license. Building. This building is going to fall down yep. immediately. Performance. What's the performance it needs to do? Everyone can pick the best one as long as it meets performance. I thought it was master spec because nope. of the spec. I know. That's the tricky part. Tricky guy. That's the tricky part. All right. How many do you have? Four, three, three. Jason wins. Ooh. Wow. He was under pressure today. Yep. <laughs> Molly is happy for you. Good times. That's all I have. Lance, take us out. Uh, if you like this episode, please share it with a friend, uh, a colleague, a family member, something like that. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, smash that like button, and leave us a five-star review on one of the audio platforms. See you next week. Thank you.